0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: A lot of people will be betting on the cricket at the moment. Some are doing it right now. You can do it whenever you want. That's the power of the sports betting app. It's always available. And that can be problematic.
2: It's an instant transfer and it's an instant bet and it's an instant loss and it's an instant transfer, a bet, a loss, a transfer, a bet and a loss. And what is always there is that option They offer a a next bet option on the homepage that you can go to. And the next bet option, and all the options for that matter, offer a hope. And in that hope, the pain goes away.
1: That's Gavin. You'll hear more from him. This is The Money. I'm Richard Aidey. And in this show, we'll be looking at sports betting. It's not the biggest form of gambling in Australia. Racing's much larger, and both are dwarfed by the pokies. But Charles Livingston, who's at Monash University and one of the leading gambling researchers in the country, says sports betting is growing fast.
3: In the period up till 2018-19, we were spending roughly about a billion dollars a year on sports betting in total across all jurisdictions. Now, that we know increased somewhat during the pandemic, probably... Uh, it's now, I would think, in the range of $1.5, $1.6 billion, because it was increasing at around 30% per annum at that time. It slowed down from what we can gather, but it certainly increased dramatically. It may be at least 1.5 times what it was before the pandemic, but it's in that range.
1: Right, right. As someone who is quite happy watching football on TV, I see a lot of the um, the online sports betting ads and I feel that they're really pitched at young men.
3: Absolutely. And indeed, we know that the biggest age group for sports betting are young men. Uh, And the 18 to 24 year old age group, for example, have participation of 11% of the population will bet on, on sports betting of some sort over the course of a year. The overall average is 6%. So they're almost twice the average. And it's still much more prevalent amongst young men compared to uh, young women but the rate of participation amongst young women appears to be growing so they're, at the moment they're probably around about 2 or 3% of the market but it does look like they're, they're growing that's young women in particular
1: But if we unite we can crush them all You have our gold
0: and our craft
1: Then with my army
0: and you have your tips
3: for the footy We can start a bet with mates group. (gasps) That's magic. Make group betting look easy with Sportsbet's Bet With Mates. Start a group and build a multi together, only
0: with Sportsbet.
3: That's very much part of their, I guess, their strategy, which is to promote this, what I call, faux sociability, the idea that gambling is somehow going to take you um, on a social journey with your friends. And, you know, for some people, I guess that is the case, that they'll sit around and compete with each other you know, on whoever's going to win the football this afternoon or who's going to kick the first goal or what the score will be at halftime or whatever. You know, at one level I guess that's sort of fun. At another level it's similar to someone who goes to the pokies for the first time with their workmates um, and unfortunately keeps going back by themselves because they start getting addicted. And I think the same sort of strategy is evident. It's hard to be sociable when you're betting online but if you can promote apps and aspects of apps which allow you to do that, to invite your friends to bet with you and so on, uh, then that creates the same sort of sociability and makes it feel like a more wholesome pastime than it actually is.
1: Charles, in the ad, indeed in most of the ads, they're selling a particular product, a multi, in which you bet on a series of independent events or outcomes all occurring.
3: They offer a really interesting example of what I would call a near miss phenomenon. That is, you might get four out of five legs, but you missed the fifth, so you missed the overall prize. And that means that you can think, well, I nearly got it this week, I'll try again next week, or I'll try again tomorrow, I'll try again this afternoon and see if we can't crack it, because obviously I'm doing really well here, I've just missed one. In reality, of course, <clears throat> the likelihood of calling off one of these events is minute, but they do offer the temptation to people who often overestimate their skill in picking winners, so to speak, who overestimate their understanding of the game that they're betting on. And this is unfortunately characteristic of of young men in particular, particularly those who are trying to show off against their mates. So there's this sort of bravado combined with faux sociability, combined with a gambling product which is customised to provide you with this near-miss experience, which we know provides the same sort of stimulus as a genuine win does
1: that stimulus is seamlessly delivered by the betting app. Alex Russell's in the Experimental Gambling Research Laboratory at Central Queensland University.
4: They're really easy to use. So if you want to see a really well-designed app, have a look at a sports betting app. Uh, You know, we've all used apps all day on our phone for various different things, and some of them are tricky to use. You don't really know how to use them. But sports betting apps really painless. They're really well designed. So it's usually very easy to find the thing that you're looking for. And it's also really easy to get immediate access to, you know, the market that you're looking for. So if I want to bet on the upcoming match for tonight, you know, it's usually high on the screen because it's coming up pretty soon. And once I click into that uh, or touch into that, I can find, you know, the thing I want to bet on, who's going to win or who's going to score first or which player is going to score the most points. It's a very,
1: you know, well-designed experience. If I was to, to do this now, start betting on an app on my phone,
4: how am I paying for it? Usually out of your credit card, actually. So a lot of people do transfers via that credit card because it's immediate. You can get money straight into the account. The problem with credit cards, a lot of people don't realise is that they're not actually purchases you know we're used to using credit cards for purchases online but with gambling they're actually treated as a cash advance so you're not getting your 55 days interest free you're not getting you know those lower sort of purchase interest rates and things like that and you're usually hit with a cash advance fee as well but people don't realize this and you know until they get their bill later that's assuming they even look at their bill
1: and to get you to use their apps the industry buys advertising a lot of advertising So they're up there.
4: It's about sort of $280 million a year on gambling advertising. It gives you an idea of how much money is being made or lost um, by punters through gambling just to spend just on advertising. Uh, It's not as big as, you know, some of the other big players like Harvey Norman and things like that, which are a fair bit higher. But gambling advertising is still quite a lot. And and in Australia in particular, we are the biggest losers worldwide. So there's a lot of jostling for the consumers in the Australian market, which means a lot of
1: advertising. The Commonwealth government spent the most on advertising last year. Sportsbet was in 18th place, ahead of Westpac in 20th.
4: You know, you sort of see an ad and you don't really think it has much of an effect on you, right? You sort of think you're in control of your own behavior and your own actions here. But we've done some research on this. Uh, My boss, Professor Narelli Hing, did some work on gambling advertising where we got people to fill in surveys every day or two and tell us how much they intended to bet in the next day or two? And then a couple of days later, how much did you actually bet in that period? And how many ads did you see? And so we saw that when people saw more ads, they were more likely to bet when they didn't intend to. So when they told us they weren't going to bet in the next couple of days, they actually did if they saw more ads. Um, And those who did intend to bet, bet more than they intended to as well so it sort of seems that you know advertising works it gets you to do
0: things
1: that you may not have been intending to do on the money today we're talking about sports betting earlier you met gavin gavin feneff after barely using the tab app as a younger man he went back to it around seven years ago
2: well it was around 2000 and mid 2015 actually i uh a dream opportunity that I'd been working towards in my life arose and there was an amount of money that I'd already borrowed uh, from my mum to help with that our savings as well and I was short and and I didn't know what to do in that moment and the idea to gamble came up and the account was was dormant but it was there and mm. and I reasoned just to give that a go so how much at first? I think the initial deposit was around four thousand dollars or so so it was an initial deposit that was that was put in and that would be lost and my reaction to that is holy like I've just lost my money and my wife's savings and I'm further away from the amount that I need I can look back now and see I was chasing but in my mind I was reasoning we'll just be serious just get serious have a plan do it right. And that would be the justification to do it one more time. And it was at that point where I used some of the money that my mum had given us. I'm not even thinking about this opportunity anymore. I'm just thinking about get the money back.
1: After six months, where are you then?
2: Well, I'd lost that, um, in that first six months, I'd actually lost $44,000, which was a huge amount of money. Yeah.
1: Gavin was chasing his losses, something that the sports betting apps make very easy to do. Charles Livingston.
3: You can create a whole range of different types of bets. You can bet regularly now. There are horse races in Australia that you can bet on and indeed globally that you can bet on every few minutes really. So it's starting to approach what we call the event frequency of A slot machine in the sense that the reason pokies are so addictive is because they have a high event frequency that is you can push the button every couple of seconds so you're getting a load of reinforcement on a regular basis particularly during an intense session of gambling you can be betting on multiple football games you can be betting on multiple sports you can be betting on horse races plus football games plus cricket games whatever and you might be getting a reinforcement from the gambling experience every few minutes so although it's not quite as rapid uh, event frequency as you get from a pokey is starting to get there and the more reinforcement that you get the more likely you are to stimulate the dopamine flows in your brain and the more likely that is to lead to an addictive
2: compulsion. There's betting options every minute and everywhere and with the mobile phone it's an instant transfer and it's an instant bet and it's an instant loss and it's an instant transfer, a bet, a loss, a transfer, a bet and a loss and what is always there is that option they offer a, a next bet option on the home page that you can go to and the next bet option and all the options for that matter offer a hope and in that hope the pain goes away because you believe that it will win of course online wagering particularly if you're using an app
3: is available 24 hours a day 7 days a week and Once you've got an account, you will get inducements to keep gambling. They are very keen to make sure that you know if you're a sort of player with a profile they like, someone who gambles and loses regularly, then they will keep at you until you start gambling again. That's their their whole business model. So it can be very, very, very difficult to avoid it. Uh, More difficult than it is to avoid the pokies, in 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 a sense. Uh, And we know from increasing reports from uh, gambling counselling services that particularly amongst young men, but across the age brackets that online wagering is starting to be one of the, uh, well, it's not quite up there with the pokies yet, but it's certainly approaching dangerous proportions in terms of the clients that they're seeing. It's, It's insidious. It can be completely hidden from partners, family, friends, et cetera, and basically consuming every asset you've got without it Uh, being apparent to anyone until, of course, the crunch hits and you're in dire straits.
1: So after six months, you've lost 40-odd thousand. Yeah. What about after another year? Where are you then?
2: In the six months in 2016, I lost $220,000 to TAB. In the next six months, it was $380,000. In 2017, so that year, I lost $1.5 And the six months after that, which was the first half of 2018, it was another 1.2 million.
1: We're over 3 million at this point.
2: Uh, Yeah, in the one and a half years from 2017, it was about 3.3 million.
1: So where was this money coming from? Because you would have long exhausted your savings you had with your wife and what your mum gave you.
2: Yeah, I lost my mum's money. Um, and then I lost um, money of other people other, other family members and friends and and clients as well. so you know basically I obtained money from people uh, to invest and and my thinking was well I'll use some to gamble and make make some money to repay and, and then I'll invest and I thought it'd all work out
1: By the middle of 2018, Gavin had lost $3.9 million. At that point, he got a letter from TAB saying, as per our compliance requirements, can you provide us with your source of funds and your ID? The ID was fine, but he couldn't provide the source of funds. So the account was closed. And then...
2: I got a phone call from from an employee at Ladbrokes. He identified himself and Spoke about his service and said that he'll put ten to twenty thousand dollars in, in—I can't remember the exact number—but it was ten to twenty thousand dollars of free betting money in an account for me to try them out. And he said that uh, he'll also provide significant bonus cash and if I made new deposits and things like that. So that was within a week or two after getting that after getting that letter, I got that phone call. I told him about the TAB letter and. I said I was, you know, is there going to be issues? And that's when he offered to open the account in a different name.
1: How much did you lose, Gavin?
2: Well, I got a phone call again a few months later uh, from an employee from BetEasy and he he did the same thing. He, he said, I'll put in $50,000 for you to try try us out. I actually lost that in 40 minutes and he put another $50,000 in the next day. They actually gave me it was about a million dollars of free betting money in in about three months, and between those two companies that contacted me, Ladbrokes and Beat Easy, which is now Sportsbet, they gave me about three point six million dollars of free betting cash and I lost four point four million dollars in in about eighteen months.
1: So altogether, yeah. that's north of eight million, isn't it?
2: That is, yeah.
1: Eventually. Gavin asked the online bookie for a statement of how much he'd spent.
2: Uh, I saw a figure there and, and it was at that point I realised I, I couldn't fix it. How can I actually fix that amount of money? I can't do that. Prior to then, I did, I believed that I could do it. And that's the, that's the delusion is it makes sense to gamble. Gambling's a solution. And the belief to fix it is is in doing it. So it required me to understand that, well, no, it's not the solution. And nine days later, I stopped.
1: Today on The Money, online sports betting. I'm Richard 80 Now, you might have seen this ad. Yeah, good. Just having a bet. Sweet. You know the plan? Lower your eyes.
3: Nice. You're using a bookie with safer gambling tools, so you can set a deposit limit. Yes. It helps get your betting in check.
1: Yeah. I've got it. It's a good call. Beautiful. Simo! Having a bet? Have a game plan. Set a deposit limit. A message from Responsible Wagering Australia. One thing I've noticed, Alex, is that uh, some of these betting firms are advertising tools to limit your exposure so that so mm-hmm. that you don't lose too much. Right. How effective are those
4: tools? In their current implementation, they're not amazing. So, you know, a lot of them are, uh, pop up with a screen saying, can you set a deposit limit? How much are you willing to deposit every week or month or whatever? Um, and you can decide what that's going to be. A lot of people say, I see how that's useful but it's not for me because I don't have a problem, right? So they might set a limit, but it might be something like a million dollars a month, in which case, you know, they're never going to reach it. So you might as well just not set a limit in in the first place. Um, so there are some issues like that. At the moment, they're on a per operator basis. Um, so, you know, I might set a limit with operator A, but then operator B, I haven't set a limit yet, and I can go in there and spend a lot. Um, so because most punters who experience problems have accounts with you know more than one operator the fact that they're on a per operator basis is a bit concerning it doesn't quite work.
1: The other thing to remember here is it's not just adults seeing the ads. Samantha Thomas is at Deakin University. Her research is on how children deal with this exposure.
0: So, we know from our research that young people have a very, very high recall of gambling brands. So, for example, they're able to name multiple gambling companies from a very young age, and sometimes we're talking eight, nine, ten years old. But perhaps more importantly, they're also able to remember what we call the appeal strategies of some of these marketing tactics. So for example, they're able to tell us um, the colours that are associated with the different brands. They're able to tell us you know, the taglines or the jingles or the catchy phrases or the storylines that sit in the advertisements. And they're also able to tell us where they see these ads. So what that does is it builds up a picture for us that kids are are actually really paying attention to these ads and they're seeing them in multiple places in their everyday environments.
1: TV's where I notice it, but it's not the only place you can bump into sports betting.
0: Kids are able to see and are able to recall seeing marketing, for example, in the hoardings around sporting grounds. Um, they're able to recall seeing logos for gambling companies on jerseys. They see promotions for gambling um, in their everyday community spaces or shopping centres and so on. So again, this exposure is omnipresent um, within our communities and kids aren't just seeing it within sporting contexts, but in other contexts as well. The other thing I would say is that kids also recall seeing advertising for gambling outside of sporting contexts on television. So they'll see it in popular reality TV shows and remember that, remember the names of the shows that they see it in. And of course, then we have social media. So kids reporting that they see these videos um, pop up during videos that they're watching on YouTube through their social media feeds, Instagram, Snapchat, and so on as well.
1: So what do the kids tell you about the messages they're getting?
0: The first, I guess, is celebrity promotions. So, we're seeing um, a significant number of high-profile celebrities ranging from, you know, ex-superstar NBA players like Shaquille O'Neal through to, you know, movie-based celebrities um, and actors like Mark Wahlberg um, who are engaged in promoting these products. And young people perceive that when we have celebrities engaged in marketing these products, that they lend a level of trust and credibility to the product. The Second thing that we know that young people think is very influential is what we call um, inducement marketing. So they're things like bonus bets or cashback offers, and what these do for kids is a number of things. First of all, they create a perception that gambling has no risk attached to it. So if my team kicks the first goal but goes on to lose the match, that the company will give me my money back. And of course, young people have a very kind of um, you know simplistic understanding of how these work and so they perceive that this is something where the company is doing something good for you. I guess the other thing that we see with those types of promotions is that it does create an incentive for some kids who are I guess on the fence about whether they would gamble or not when they're older, um, about whether they would actually try gambling. So all of these things show that marketing is playing quite a significant role in children's attitudes towards gambling and their intentions to gamble when they're older. Remembering, again, that in Australia it's not legal to gamble until you're 18 years old, but we are seeing this pathway that's being created through this exposure to marketing.
1: And some sports are much more interesting to children and young people than they are to someone like me. Alex Russell. When
4: I was young, my mum would always tell me that you'd never make any money out of playing video games. People are making tons of money out of playing video games these days because a lot of them have competitive modes and they've actually got organized competitions around these things. So, you know, often they're first person shooter type games like Call of Duty and those things, but there's esports in all sorts of um, different video games there. Uh, And during COVID, of course, a lot of sports were disrupted, but you could still play esports, at home, you know, without actually mingling with people. Uh, And some of the professional esports competitions here make millions of per player payments and everything. And of course, you can bet on them. So a lot of kids play these video games anyway. Why not follow, you know, someone who's very good at it? And why not bet on them as well?
1: Esports stars are all about reactions. Speed is king. And it's the same in sports betting.
4: The way that it's moved is that they've come out with uh, these things called micro-betting, which is things like betting on the next point in tennis. So it's a very, very short gap between when you place the bet and when you find out the outcome. And we're starting to get to the point here where that's essentially what we call continuous betting. So you can place a bet on the next point, find out if you won or lost, place a bet on the next point again, keep doing that over and over again. And that's one of the most dangerous forms of gambling. It's actually what's a big part of why pokies are so dangerous because every spin is a bet there and you can sort of, you know, lose control really easily, lose track of how much you bet, um, get caught up in the zone. Um, So they're pretty concerning forms of betting there.
1: So is this something you can do on a sports app? Not
4: in Australia at the moment. You can do it overseas. Um, In Australia, you actually have to make a phone call to the operator. So this is a bit of a, you know, gambling control kind of tool just to make sure that people don't get out of control. But you could go to overseas gambling operators, which you're not really meant to do. They're not meant to offer their products to you, but it's still possible to do and place those sorts of bets. Microbetting at the moment isn't really allowed in Australia. But there's a bit of a grey line there, so you can't bet on, say, the next ball in cricket, but you could bet on the next over in cricket, like how many runs might be scored and, you know, really, where's
1: the distinction there? This goes back to what Charles Livingstone was saying about frequency.
4: These kinds of products appeal pretty much exclusively to people who are at some level of experiencing gambling problems. So they might not be the the really most harmed kind of gamblers, although most people are who take part in these forms. Um, And what that means is that, you know, these are the types of um, punches who are very likely to lose a bit of control here, bet more than they probably should. And so having products out here that explicitly appeal to people who are vulnerable and facilitate them betting more than they should you know, it's a bit of a concern about offering a product like that and then claiming that it's on the punter to keep themselves under control.
1: When people can't do that, we all pay.
0: There have been some studies that have been done which explore um, the social and economic costs of gambling. And these show that in the state of Victoria, for example, the social costs of gambling have been estimated at about $7 billion. So while we hear a lot of noise from governments in the industry itself and from organisations that may make a lot of money um, from the gambling industry, so our sporting codes or our broadcasters, we know that gambling has a significant negative impact on the health and well-being of our communities. We have very clear evidence that gambling... Harm leads to a range of some of our most pressing uh, health and social issues, and that ranges everywhere from mental health issues, way through to family violence, homelessness, criminality, and so on. And so one of the things that we need to be thinking about very clearly is treating gambling as a public health issue and making sure that our policy responses treat this as a health issue.
1: Gavin Feneff has pleaded guilty to twelve counts of dishonestly obtaining financial advantage by deception. The total's 3.4 million. At the moment he's on remand. He'll be sentenced Friday, the 20th of January.
2: You know, I had to sit down and speak to my kids about why the home feels differently and mum and dad are a bit sad and then why dad isn't going into work anymore. Then after that, bring up punishment and for me for the things that I've done wrong and that dad will be in jail and speak to the teachers and the school and so they're now fully aware and uh, thankfully through counselling and lots of work together my marriage is still together and and that's wonderful she's amazing Uh, but I do have concerns about you know the trauma of my kids and It's the same for the people I've affected, you know. Some have kids as well and they might be impacted in some way. It just just goes on, this stuff. It goes on and on and on. It's happening today. It's happening tomorrow. And it's not good enough that something is only done after this volcano eruption happens. And that's what I'm involved in at the moment. Gavin Feneff. Thanks
1: to him and to our other guests today. Thanks also to producer Kate MacDonald and sound engineer Emrys Cronin. This is The Money. I'm Richard 80.
0: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.